Hello and welcome to Lippert's Built to Lead podcast, the show where we go behind the scenes to show you what it takes to be a leader in today's business and manufacturing worlds. From workplace culture to leadership development to business excellence, our team is excited to share the stories, the strategies, and the lessons we've learned throughout our journey. Our intent is to both challenge and inspire you to make business a force for good in the world as you grow yourself, your team, and your business. Join us as we dive into what it really means to be built to lead and how you can get there no matter where you are in your life or in your career. Tune in and continue your leadership journey today. Welcome back, listeners. Thank you so much for being here on the Lippert Podcast. I have with me today Jamie Schnur, our president for our aftermarket and technology. And I am Kim Leeshock, one of the directors of leadership development for the corporate and aftermarket function. One of my biggest customers here is in the room. So Jamie and I spend a lot of time together thinking about the organization at large, where we need to go. We're kind of the incubator of all things that needs to happen in order for our organization to stay sustainable. And today in particular, we're gonna talk about something really important to both of our hearts, which is leadership through the trenches in specifically retaining talent and growing talent from within, keeping talent here, growing them to be the next future executive, future manager, you know, these high potential people in our organization start out as interns and work their way all up to executives. And this is historically here at Lippert, part of the fabric of our lives. So tell us a little bit about the history of growing talent from within, Jamie, just you were an intern yourself and yes. here you're at a president. So yes. So yeah, I was officially the, the, the joke is I was the company's first intern. So I needed an internship for my MIS degree from Central Michigan University, and I answered an ad in a paper for this little manufactured housing chassis company based in Alma, Michigan called Lippert Components. And I think I think I was it was $8 an hour, and that was great money. And so I was like, considering having to move away from Mount Pleasant, Michigan to for an internship in Detroit. And when the ad came up, I jumped at it. I, I interviewed for the job and got the role and I was IT person number two back then. So Incredible. started out the very, uh, the very front line of the front lines, um, you know, at, at the corporate office and even at the plants, I was, I was the company's intern. So that's where I, that's how I started this journey. I felt very fortunate to get the job. I, I, it was, uh, I mean, I was so excited because it was an opportunity of a lifetime in the world of technology. The company was literally, it was 19, it was the mid nineties, but it was built and the, the technology is from the sixties and seventies. So for somebody that had a, that was passionate about technology and innovation, it was a huge opportunity for me. So been here ever since. Isn't that crazy? And yeah. And, um, my mentor in college gave me one piece of advice, uh, Dr. Han, and I'll never forget it. And when my internship was up and I was considering a job offer from Doug Lippert, he had said, you can either go be a, a small fish in a big pond or a big fish in a little pond. And in your world of technology, people are always lured by money and big company names. He's like, you, you might want to think hard about this opportunity in front of you because this could be, he said it, this could be an opportunity of a lifetime. You know, he goes, if you love if you love what you do and you love the company you work for and the people you work with, I don't know what you're chasing. And he told me that, and I turned on every other offer, went back in that Monday after the offer that Doug let me think on that weekend, and I said, um, done. And he goes, and he goes, what do you need? And he goes, well, look, 
I'll accept your offer. And I counted offered, you know, and I don't even want to tell you how embarrassing the loan number was I'm back when we were making salaries back then. He goes, I'll pay you that number. He goes, on one, on one count. He goes, you, you commit to me that you will not interview with any more companies for your senior year of college and that you'll start the day after you graduate. I said, done. He goes, what do you need? He goes, handshake. That's it. And I never looked back. And so, so what's crazy is you even started your own experience here at Lipper with this growth mindset. Yeah, yeah. And it, I did, I felt like it was the the land of opportunity. It was still like, a, it was a tiny, small company, not even $70 million in sales, had 400 employees. And we had, I was employee number 16 at the corporate office. So really small, mm-hmm. but it was so entrepreneurial. And entrepreneurial meant to me a, a lot of ownership, a lot of opportunity to grow and develop and take on more. Like the company wasn't going to hold you back. If you if you were um, passionate about growing and taking on more responsibility, it, it was there because they were interested in growing too. And then they got bought out by uh, Drew Industries right after like a, literally a year after I joined, which then injected some capital into Lipper. And then we started growing and we took off. And I think that that land of opportunity mindset that like, Hey, I, this isn't a job for me. This is like this is going to be my my career. That career. This is going to be my work family. That has stuck with me since then. And it's and, the fabric of our culture now. Yes. I mean, land of opportunity. I feel like ties into Lippert so beautifully because even I started here just a couple of years ago, and I feel like there is so much opportunity still. I mean, we're diversifying, we're expanding. I got way more work for you. <laughs> I know. We always have <laughs> way more. piling on you. And I love it. Yeah. And, and, and I love it because I feel like I'm challenged and I'm growing from within here too. And But I know you've done this historically. As you grew your career, you've also brought people around you to yes. grow them. So yes. walk me through kind of as you got yeah, grew so, up and more seniors. So the, the internship program back then was I... I was the first one that proved it out that, hey, we don't necessarily need to wait for people to graduate from high school or graduate from college. And uh, as the business started to grow, they started needing more technical resources, engineering, IT. Even back then, we were we were starting to build on working on a purchasing department, you know, back then. We never we didn't have anything. So we didn't have anything. We didn't have, <laughs> there was no marketing. There was no customer service. There was no purchasing. We had one person in HR. We had one person in safety. So I, I said, when I sat down with Doug, I said, look, I've got a pipeline at CMU and I can start pulling in some talent. Like it I can't it can't just be me and Wayne. So we've got to start going. It's like, okay, what are you thinking? And you know, and I remember arguing with them about the starting wages of like nine dollars an hour and and things like this. I go, I need and so we I started hiring interns. And so it went and it started it it showed immediate results. So I hired Vince Stepker, who's now our CIO. Um, Seth DeBreer, who's our VP of digital, Keenan Colson, who's our new VP of finance, uh, transformation, the technology component over there. These were all people that started as interns. Then I got really aggressive on hiring people directly out of college, which were low entry level type positions that paralleled well with our management trainee program we used to have back then. So in operations, Doug was sort of a savant a little bit at building out a program back in the early mid '90s, which was recruiting men and women out of college to go directly into operations. Right. So it was called MIT Manager yeah, and Training. Just, it right? was yeah, yeah. We just called, we called it the trainee program, yeah. the management trainee program. Yeah. yeah, the MIT program. That was that was really targeted towards operations and manufacturing. I sort of paralleled that a little bit and started doing it for the corporate entity, which was your indirect 
your salaried, your non-manufacturing role. So we really got aggressive when uh, I took over the engineering group and IT and started like really building that pipeline. And it was easy to do and it was easy to sell the company and the program because they all saw the same thing that I did. And that's why most of those people are still here, like probably 95% of them, because it was the land of opportunity. Tons of growth, tons of growth ahead of them, both in the company and in their roles. And then the company was growing at such a rapid pace that we've got people that we recruited for. They're not even doing those roles anymore. They're, they're completely jumped into other areas of the company that they were passionate about. And they had the business knowledge and acumen and drive to be successful there. So we kept moving people around. I mean, people don't realize Jared, our vice president of marketing, started in IT. People don't realize Kristen LeBaron, our vice president of supply chain, started over at IT. There was just certain, certain things, certain doors were opened up as a company continued to grow. But those doors are open, but it takes someone that's properly developed, right? And properly, um, they have to be the courage to walk through the door and the confidence to be successful when they walk through it. And I think that's what we used to do really, really intentionally on growing and mentoring and developing those people. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm excited about to get back to that because I want us to get back to every single person that comes to this company, every person that walks into our plant every single day to believe like this could be the last place to ever work. And that's what I used to try to sell to people uh, because I believed it. That's what I would promote to the company. Like, I hire for life. And there's a lot of people that are probably listening to this podcast, even in our plants that I've helped hire, that that's something I say to every single one of them. We want you to retire from here. Yes, that's my goal every single time Mm -hmm. for every role. And I want people that come in, no matter what the role is in the company, if it's a a maintenance position, a plant position, the very front lines of our organization, to feel that again. And what's beautiful about... Jamie, your attention to talent, just like the way that you look for talent, you always find the unicorn. We talk about the unicorn all the time. But all of the people you just mentioned who are now in senior leadership roles in our organization, in my mind, you know, from an outsider looking in, hungry, humble, and smart. Yes. Right? Yes. Like hungry to learn beyond even just the silo or the work that they're doing on a day-to-day basis, which is why you say some of them started in IT and worked into marketing or worked into supply chain because not only were they hungry to learn more, they're humble to recognize, I only know what I know. I need to to go out and build relationships beyond where I am right now. And then, of course, incredibly smart people too. But I'm curious, like, how did we help set them up for success way back in the day and then also to today cross-functionally with those relations? How, how do we build those relationships? I think, uh, well, I think as a company continues to grow, we'll have to address that because I think that's an opportunity for us. I think it's an opportunity for us to improve that. I've sensed it and felt it over the last uh, year or two with my new role, really diving into aftermarket, that there were some disconnects there, that opportunity to grow relationships and understand each other's business. And if you take the time to be a little bit more intentional about it, it creates more opportunity. And back to what you just said, I think the common thread was the people, you have to be servant to the company. You have to be servant to the company. Not just, hey, I've got an accounting degree. This is what I want to do. The people that really help lead and inspire this organization every day, if you look back, it's whatever the company's needed them to do. And what does the company need of me? And I will be there. It's like, I guess, how I parent my children when they play sports. What's your favorite position? It should be whatever you need me to do, coach. 
If you need me to be right seat on the bench, I'm going to be humble and hungry knowing that I'm competitive and I always want to play. But if that's what you need me to do, I will do that. If you need me to go in left field or right or be a catcher or do whatever those things are, I think it's the same way in, at work. And so the people that have, have their roles have grown are people that come in and they are hungry, they're humble, they're servant to the organization. They take the time to, to learn the business, you know, whether it's completely out in right field, like for someone to step out of the corporate office and go really spend time at a plant and understand the business and then and then talk. You have to talk and engage with people. Like you have to, I still get inspired every time I walk the floors. I do it all the time. I, I pop into plants all the time. I know every back door. <laughs> So I just will walk into the to the doors and I'm right at the heart and soul of our company, which is like, I love, there's some plants that are still just really near and dear to me that I love walking through it and seeing people lay sparks on, on, um, on beam is exciting to me and walking through 45 and some of these plants is, it to me is like, this is why I'm here still. It's a, it really comes down to that. And it brings you back to the why, yeah. right? Yep. Of why I'm here every day and I know yeah, we're I've under- never worked a day here yeah. and it'll be 25 years in May. I've never worked a day. I felt like it's an honor to be here. Yeah. And again, an example right here, everyone listening, hungry, humble, and smart. That's kind of way the way Jamie works. And one of the beauties of working with you, Jamie, that I love is you're always thinking about like what's going to be the most sustainable or the next thing to keep us growing. And part of that is bringing this younger talent, right. coaching them up so that when the next thing happens, whether it's at the technology advances we're talking about or right. in manufacturing, the way we're running our products, life cycle or whatever, we're bringing in the hungry, humble, smart people who are right out of college or a couple yeah. years out of college who just eat this stuff up and they love it. Right. And I was thinking as you were, you were mentioning cross-functional relationships and how it's an opportunity for us here. That has become on our organizational objectives for aftermarket and over in the leadership and culture development team, I literally have a goal in there around building cross-functional relationships because we are working more remotely and more virtually and people are kind of not all in the same place right now. How can we engineer space and time for that water cooler talk where it doesn't exist? And so we launched a Building Bridges lunch and learn for everybody and all of corporate and aftermarket that can make it and it's recorded and it's once a month with a new part of our business newer you know we just did it with Lippert Scouts for example I love that we're doing it with finance next time like just so people can better understand not only the purpose of that function but who the people are that they're human they you know these are things that they care about but this is the value that they're bringing to the organization and when should we go to them or how can we partner with them to bridge relationships? And I think it's just going to be a game changer for us. Right. That's one example of how we're bridging cross-functional relationships. And it helps grow early talent, too, yes. because all of our frontline team members now have this space to learn beyond just the day-to-day work. Maybe they're you know moving papers around and trying to get things right. in on time or whatever. But it brings a bigger picture to what they do all day, all day every day. Right. And like, who else? And... Michelle and I in the leadership and culture development function here on the aftermarket and corporate side talk about this all day, every day. We want to put people in their sweet spots and people don't even know that they have a sweet spot that they haven't been exposed to. So part of, I think, what you did with interns or, you know, early talent right out of college is exposing them to things they didn't even know that they thought they'd be interested in. Right. Yes. Yes. 
Yes, and that is, I think the last statistics I've read, it's more than half half the people that graduate with a college degree don't even go into the field that they went to school for. Isn't that crazy? And half the people that graduate from high school and go right into trade schools don't either stick with them or people graduate from high school and they go down one path and they go back to trades or they go back. They Like, we're all... We're all weighing over our head, right? So uh, you can't expect an 18-year-old to come out of high school to know what they're supposed to do. Don't no different than a 24-year-old. I think it's. I think that is where, if we create more opportunity for people, right? And you've got the you've retained people, you developed people, you've uh, expanded their um, their knowledge both of the business and maybe picked up some skills along the way. When those opportunities open up, that's where the great organizations have a competitive advantage because they've got talent. They've got bench strength. They've got people that understand operations. As we grow and expand our footprint in operations, there are people right now that are leading factories that came in right right off the farm when they were 18 years old. And they came right into this company and they've been working, learning the business. And as long as we keep developing those men and women that lead out there in those plants, they'll be ready to be the next plant manager, foreman, general manager, vice president of operations. Like that's the that's the sort of the roadmap we have to make sure we're staying on when it comes to developing people. Because like I said before, every single person that comes into this company should have that opportunity. And I feel like if we're doing our jobs, the people that are, and we know Jason will continue to drive us to grow at, you know, warp speed. We have to make sure that we're not outgrowing ourselves. And that's, a, a, an organization outgrows themselves in two ways. It's it's the human capital side, right? And the development of your teammates. And it's technology structure process, right? So those two buckets, I'll make sure, we've made sure we've got really good structure and process to grow to grow and scale this thing to, you know, to the next eight, $10 billion roadmap. What we've got to make sure we're doing is not outgrowing ourselves, that we don't, that we have the internal bench strength in every area of the company. Every single area. Building that human capital. Building that human capital. That 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 what what that does is that assures you've got that the the culture right of that we've tried to build for years now, and this will be our 60, 65th year. We'll be celebrating sixty five years in May as a company, nineteen fifty six. So continue that that unique culture that Lippert has. That starts with our people. That doesn't start with logos and it doesn't start with systems and it doesn't start it starts with the people so to me um, building out that future generation it starts now it starts with the people that are getting hired in our organization in every role nothing excites me more to see internal promotions to, to to pull people from those roles into larger bigger roles up or out however you want to say it for people that take that on to me is exciting because that means we did something. We created an opportunity for them. We did our job. We're growing the company and we grew the person to be able to have the, the courage, right, to walk through the door when it got open for them. And that's what I'm excited for in the next couple of years to see the next generation of future leaders come through. And um, no one knows. Like, I, I, I laugh about it all the time and me and Jason were just having this conversation uh, a couple of weeks ago. It was like, do you realize like we're at the age where your dad was retiring? And he looked at me like, what are you talking about? I go, your dad was like 48, 49 years old. He's like, holy cow. He goes, we're getting old. And I go, <laughs> it's not about that. I've got no plans for retiring and neither does he. But it's, it's more about what are we doing for the future? 
Mm-hmm. We have to build the bench strength. What we got? We're, what are we doing? Mm-hmm. Like we we've got a the the next eighteen to twenty two year olds. Like those people coming in are going to have an opportunity of a lifetime if they stay, and if we continue to develop them and and have them be very very right, goal oriented, is is huge. Servant, humble, hungry, uh, passionate for learning, being vulnerable, not afraid to fail. That's these are a all, key. Those are those are yeah. huge huge. I think those are those are things that people don't truly realize how Their critical that metrics. one thing is. Yes, they they are. Like you've got to, you can't be afraid to fail and you have to be vulnerable enough to, to talk about it with your teammate when you do. This episode of Lippert Built to Lead podcast is brought to you by the Lippert Academy for Leadership, the team committed to enhancing your organization's leadership and cultural goals with strategic leadership development programs, on-site training, executive coaching, speaking engagement, and customized solutions. Find out how to get your organization involved at www.lci1.com backslash academy or send us a message at academy at lci1.com. That's academy at lci1.com. And and when we talk vulnerability, I know some people can cringe, but at the end of the day, it's like, Jamie, I need help, or I need more hands, or I think I did this wrong. Can you provide me some feedback? Vulnerability isn't just the fluffy stuff. It's really help me grow. Right. You know, and I think one of the reasons one of our core value leader qualities is honesty, integrity, candor, and humble, coachable, so that we can have these kinds of conversations where you say, hey, Kim, you know, I really think you could have done it a little bit better here. And I say, yeah, absolutely. Can you you help me figure out how the best way to go about this would be next time? Right. And, And what I love about what you were saying just then is you said, you know, companies grow in two ways and they stay sustainable in two ways is making sure we've got a really good technology and process figured out. The second one is this human capital that you talked about, but how do you or your your leadership level at the chief's level, the president level, prioritize developing human capital when it's not really as measurable as technology? Because at the end of the day, we care about it here at Lippert. Like we care about growing our people. We've got leadership action plans. We want every, all 100% of our leaders to have these leadership action plans. We want frontline team members to all have their development action plans by the end of this fiscal year. But how do we as a leadership group really, you know, prioritize that human capital when sometimes it's not always like measurable as much as like return on investment like we would make other business decisions? To answer your question, there's it's a two-pronged answer. I think the first, just from the X's and O's, is to always be focused on succession planning. So ask yourself, right? You're if you're a good leader, you should be trying to obsolete your job yourself all the time. Not your role, but you. So to do that, you have to be really right aware of the, the strengths and weaknesses of the teams you lead, right? So you've got to like know, like, hey, if, God forbid, I die in a car accident and fill in the blank, I'm a leader, I'm a, I'm a foreman, I'm a foreman on a plant, and I'm, I'm leading one of our axle lines. Who, what are you doing intentionally to develop your replacement? We grow at such speed sometimes that what has really held back people from taking on more is they didn't develop anybody below them or on their team to step up and take on their job. So we have that happen a lot. And under stress, as leaders in the trenches, it's really hard to think about that and prioritize that when I've got to get, you know, this many chassis created today. Right. Yes, yes. And so you've got to 
You've got to really be aware of your strengths and weaknesses on your team. You've got to be focused on developing people and their ability to lead others. And that's not as easy as, that's not just, that doesn't come from just reading a book or listening to podcasts. It comes from being in intentional learning, learning how to be humble. You've got to really be committed to, hold on here, for me to grow and, and, and with the organization, I really have to figure out how to build this up to where I don't have to be here every single day. Right? Like there's a little bit of risk in, in doing I mean like the idea People of are nervous me, to do that. Right? The idea of putting myself out of a job. I, yes. I literally say if I'm gonna do my job right, I wouldn't need to be here anymore. You have to find blind, blind faith in a company that when you're jumping off that cliff, that there is something for you to land in. Exactly. And that is hard for leaders to do every day in companies all over the world. That is the number I feel that's one of the top issues that companies face. In, in their own growth is because they don't have a culture of leaders having the courage to obsolete themselves. And to do that, you got to have a succession plan. You got to know who are you developing on your team from the very front lines in the work cells in our plants. There are people there right now that have what it takes to lead others. And it takes the, the, the people that are leading that, that, those teams to have that courage it's a steppy, it's a, there's right, there's multiple layers of management at all of our plants. Mm-hmm. And you've got to have that courage. And that starts from how do you set the tone of the culture of the plant, right? So the people at the very top are in those business units. They set that tone for being humble, hungry, servant. If you want to take on more, you got to be intentional developing others. And to do that, you've got to have the wherewithal to be able to know like who's strong and who isn't. Yeah, and, and be able to learn how to coach them through growing. Right. Like how do you grow people? Yeah. How do you intentionally grow people? I think it's being vault. If if you really want to have a continuous improvement mindset, which is what we we love to um, push and promote, I think the first thing about and I've I've said this and before it's what people I never be afraid to call your baby ugly, and it is something I you know it's another schnurism I guess that is I've said a lot like that's. That has to be your mindset, though, if you're really going to have a continuous improvement. And to do that, you have to be, I'll say it again, you have to be vulnerable and honest with what is what is not working. Because if you do that as a as a leader, and if you and you do that to your, you, at yourself, you look in the mirror every day, like, right, how can I be better every single day? The only way I know how to be, to set up something standard higher is to understand current state. And to understand current state, you got to be vulnerable and honest with yourself to be like, hey, this isn't working. Or where am I going for? How am I going to get there? How am I going to improve myself as a leader? Because if I can't focus on myself, there's no way I can develop others. Totally. It's impossible. You know, I was just thinking, you talk about, you know, what's not working. One of the things that we've come up with in your strategic communications plan for this year, and it part of it is to help develop our leadership ability to be able to speak to really high-level what's working, what's not, and what's next. You know, it's creating a space for all of our leaders, not only to talk with Jamie and say, hey, what's working, what's not, what's next, but like the exposure to all of the other parts of the business, what's working, what's not, what's next. And when we say what's working, that's sort of celebrating the wins of the last month. What's not working, these are the things that's keeping us up at night. Right. We, we, you know, the business is at, is literally on hold because of X, Y, or Z. And then what's next? These are the the next thing in the 30, 60, 90 days that are going to be game changers for us and how well we do this fiscal year. When we set up space for everybody to be exposed to everyone else, Mm -hmm. that exposure, I mean, if there was a leadership lesson, I think for today, hearing everything that you have to say, 
our responsibility as leaders is to create a space for our leaders to be exposed yes. to everything going on in the organization because it brings a level of uh, perspective, a little, a level of strategic mindset that you wouldn't be able to do if you're just focused on your part of, of the org. Yes. Strong managers, strong leaders, they're not afraid to make the decision, but they also have the courage to build consensus and know how to do it. And I think exposing leaders and people young in their careers here to as much as possible, right? Um, to all sides of the business. Even even in a plant, there's, I mean, every every plant we have is its own business, basically. There's so many different layers of just a, a facility, right? Whether it's a warehouse, a distribution center, a factory, they're small little businesses. And then you have the business, right? Which is a large global entity that's got pockets of cost centers all over the place, I think you have to expose people and be intentional about that. And that's part of the learning process. It's like if you don't if you don't give people the book to read, right, and, and the content to really, uh, and the knowledge to learn, they're not going to develop. They're going to sit in their role. They'll become complacent. They'll, and if you hire the right people, they want more. That's what I think I've, I've hired people way smarter than me and that are hungry and humble and want more. Um, and I'll, I'll create the work. I'll, we'll continue to create the work. But I think that's, it, it's important that you get that exposure early on in your career. And the, if you can do it at the very front side of someone's career, that retention rate is, is so high then. Their drive and their passion, it becomes like you, they, it's not a job anymore. It's, it's like, hold on here. I'm, this is something special. Like yeah. my role is special. I'm on a winning team. I want to be here. It's a perfect no. It's not. But we recognize that, and that's what drives us to be, right, to be even better. It's what I talked about. Like, we, to be humble and recognize where your organization or your team is failing or short, that to me is just, it, you're, that's, your, that's your cheat sheet of opportunities. But think about it, too. You talk about exposure almost as a currency, right? I mean, if we, yes. if we are able to expose our leaders to all of the other things going on in the organization, even our frontline interns coming through, expose them to everything that's going on. That's that's like a currency I put in my pocket. Yep. I know more and more about the business. And yes. then where those weak spots are that I might be seeing in my team or you know, we're trying to coach up our team members, I can now go to somebody else on another team who's really strong with that and say, hey, how did you build that competency on your team? It's now this currency that I, I know exists. I can go and ask my team, other team members beyond my org for help. Yeah. And that's how the organization becomes stronger and stronger. I agree. And so, you know, our leadership responsibility is exposure. Jamie, thank you so much for taking the time yeah. to talk through this important topic of growing leaders from within, especially as leaders in the trenches, leadership practice in the trenches, especially with all the stress of last year. I know we've been thinking about this. We're being really intentional about it here this year at Lippert, and we couldn't do it without you. So thank you so much for joining well, thank me. Thank you for the time. That was and great. Listeners, we hope you enjoyed our podcast for today. I know I'm energized just hearing everything that Jamie has to say, and I can't wait for all of the other meetings we're going to have after this to talk yeah. about more ideas that my brain is now and inspired to go think more intentionally about how we increase exposure. Well, thank you for the time. Awesome. Thanks for joining today's Built to Lead podcast. Tune in next time to add even more fuel to your leadership journey as you make business a force for good in our world. We'll see you soon.
The views and opinions expressed in this podcast belong solely to the speaker and do not necessarily reflect the view or mission of Lipper Components Incorporated. Thank you.